you're in nature and the waves are just this, this powerful force of energy. And when you catch that wave, there is a rush that only a surfer or someone who's experienced that rush can, can express, can explain or express. And it's, uh, it's, it's so much joy and you can't help but find the love of, of a surfer and water and nature and the blue skies and the clouds and all of that coming together and being with family. <laughs> Welcome to Backseat Driver, the podcast hosted by two practicing psychotherapists, where we boil down years of experience with clients young and old to teach you how to do the what to do to improve your life and relationships. I'm Mark Yamada, clinical psychologist in Seattle. And I'm Nikki Bennett, licensed clinical social worker in Salt Lake City. Good morning. Hello, I'm Mark. It's a pleasure to welcome you to our show today and have you as, as our guest. Our, our show today is about living with a purpose and having a story that binds and gives meaning to our lives. And I was talking with Nikki and came across uh, your story and she was mentioning how it was a wonderful story of of, of your lives and how a little burger shop with humble beginnings uh, ended up being a potentially a guide to a happy life. And we'd love to hear your story of how that all came to be that we want our listeners to consider that, uh, that love and happiness are not just good feelings, but really a lifestyle. And that's the message that we wanted to talk about today is your love story and how the message of a guide to a happy life, a story that it's not just what you do, but how you do it. So welcome to our show and tell us how your story begins. How did the two of you meet and, and end up with uh, a wonderful family and a burger shop. <laughs> well, first of all, hey, Mark and Ben and Nikki, we're grateful that uh, we've uh, been invited to participate on this podcast. So in the beginning, from the very beginning, uh, we thought that together that Peggy would go ahead and, and uh, share that. Um, so, Peggy, honey? Yes, well, um we go back in time, how we met was all the way in Samoa. My husband was um, on a service mission and uh, I went over with his, with his sister who I was very good friends with and his mother and uh, two other of the sisters and had the opportunity to, to, to meet him there. And I know in, in my single life, I was always hoping to marry someone that was really strong in his beliefs and strong in, um, in being a husband and especially being a, a father to children because that was my goal to be able to have children with, with because my family was kind of a broken up home and um, they're good parents, but just uh, had, they had uh, similar, they had problems. But I'm grateful that um, I had direction in my life because of my dear mother and took, took me uh, to a school that was able to um, 
solidified my, my beliefs and the way I think, and I was so grateful. And with that, I went to Samoa on this wonderful opportunity, and there I, I found Arthur. And I, when I saw him, I was just so grateful because um, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't even planning to, to have any such feelings in my heart come to me that I had been, that I had been always uh, earnestly trying to, to find in my life for me that would bring true happiness. And when I saw him, he had this wonderful bright light around him that I'll never forget. I read mean, everyone has their little, little vision sometimes, uh, their own personal little visions. And I was able to see this really bright, wonderful beaming light around him. And that just, and I had this little feeling come upon me that said, this is someone I want to, I would love to marry or someone that I should look, look forward to marrying someone of this caliber. And uh, I didn't get to really interact with him at all in Samoa because he was still on this service. And so um, that this opportunity, uh, when I, when I returned back home to college, to college after the, the time in Samoa, I, we began writing letters and in this letter that we were able to pronounce our love for each other. So that was a really beautiful thing that we, we, we fell in love just by writing letters. And I'm so grateful that I, I returned home to California where he was living and I also was that's where my home base is. We were able to get married within a nine month period of time. And that's the beginning of our, our love story and how we became husband and wife. And it's been the, the greatest, the wonderful man he is, not just to me, but to our seven children that we were able to bring into the world. And that's our little love story. <laughs> that's wonderful. Oh my goodness. And that's, and that's 40, and that's 43, and that's 43 years later. Wow, congrats. Really cool. Yes, congratulations. And it, and it continues to be a true love story. He's a wonderful man and been a wonderful husband and father to our seven boys. Well, Peggy's amazing too, because when I saw her, she, if, if, if you've met her, she has this amazing smile. It just beams. So when I saw the smile and I saw her, I mean, I knew right away immediately that, that she had, that she had exactly everything that I would, I, I, I would like in a woman. I just could feel her spirit and she happened to come with my family, as she said. And yeah, so it was, it was a wonderful experience. Miss Aloha. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How did letter writing affect the development of your relationship? Yeah, so I came home in February, in March uh, 1976. Uh -huh. And we started, writing, we started writing letters. And I guess when you write letters, you know, you're a little bit more, uh, a little bit more open and, and I think more honest mm -hmm. uh, with, your feel, with your feelings. And it was for the both of us, her letters to me and, and mine to her. And we wrote from March, April, May, June, July. She finally came home. We talked on the phone quite a bit then uh, also. One time we talked uh, at night. It was a three, uh, Hawaii's three hours uh, behind. So she got off work at 9 o'clock at night. And about 9.15, she called me. And I remember talking to her on the phone. Honey, do you remember that? Yes, it was very, I mean, our, our talk, it was so hard to hang out because we already had fallen in love through letters and phone calls. And 
I remember it was at night and then the next day I, I saw saw that the sun was rising. I went, oh my goodness, the sun is rising on my side. <laughs> uh, you've been it's talking dark. all night. <laughs> we had talked all night, but it felt like we were only talking for minutes because we did not want to, we did not, we were just so in love. Um, I, w- I would say on a very spiritual note, we, are, uh, we had fallen in love and uh, his letters were so inspiring to me and all the experience that he had had back in Samoa and then the experiences I was having as as I would receive these letters and how I was I was spiritually and spiritually motivated to share my my, my spiritual feelings about life and and I it just it just we just grew so close together without the physical contact. It was truly a wonderful opportunity to to fall in love for the right reasons. You know, <laughs> that was the beauty of it, that there was no physical contact that mm. it was in words and and just the sound of the voice and just feeling the spirit of each other. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and, we, and we really believed from the very, very beginning because of because of what we believe that if we were to make this work, that Christ definitely had to be our center. And uh, 40 years later, and, and it continues. Uh, with our family and definitely with our business, that that has been a very important part of uh, of everything we do. But yeah, it was wonderful to just write letters and talk on the phone without that physical piece. And then, you know, just knowing truly, you know, if we had these feelings of love for each other through letter writing and over the phone, that this relationship was definitely, we felt, uh, we felt, both of us felt that it was inspired from above. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just somehow knew. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it, uh, uh, there's this warmth that comes to everyone. Everyone has felt it when they fall in love or when they something is right in their life. They just get this warm feeling within your soul that tells you that this is right. Well, you know, just the touch. I mean. I remember just touching her when when she came home. I remember uh, her father took us to dinner, and we held hands under the table. And uh, it was just this spark, this like this electricity. And that spark has continued to be there today. Just touching each other, just just a wonderful, wonderful, <laughs> just uh, an amazing feeling, just being able to touch. So, yeah. You know, the other interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, about knowing. Um, we've had a lot of people throughout the years, you know, ask us, is there a one? Is there a one? Is there a, is there a number one? And my, my, my answer to that has always been, yes, there definitely is a number one. But there's also a number two and a number three and a number four and a number five and a six, a 10, a 20. And I believe that, I believe, I believe that when the stars align, when the stars align and you're living in such a way to, to, uh, that enables you to be, 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 be directed by that divine spirit who created all and knows all, I do indeed believe that you'll be blessed to, uh, to, uh, to meet that one. And again, mm-hmm. I, I believe there is a one and there's also a number two, a number three. And I, Definitely believe that uh, Peggy is number one. Would you say the same thing about me? Yes, I would. He's a he's a he's a, he's a good man. I'm just grateful for his humility, his his love for life, and his passion for 
anything he touches or wants to do, there's a great deal uh-huh. of passion. He wants to do it right. He wants, and he wants to, to believe in it. And through that belief of, of hard work and hard docs of life, that you can have a successful product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That is true. I think based on, you know, my friendships, my relationships, my own life, my clients, probably most of our listeners can relate to what you're saying about that spark and that initial love when you find your soulmate. But I think a lot of people struggle with how do you keep that spark alive? You've had seven children. I've only had four. And with each one, I feel like it's more and more difficult to maintain a a good, strong relationship with my spouse. How have you managed to keep that spark alive? Well, I think like, I mean, we, again, going back to what we believe, I mean, there are certain fundamentals that you have to follow, right? In order to keep that relationship strong, as you mentioned. And uh, one definitely is prayer. Yeah. Trying to keep ourselves in tune and keep our, ourselves aligned with that higher being that will give us further light and knowledge so that we can maintain that, that love within the home for our children and that brought us uh, unity within the home. And the cool thing is that, uh, that doing that when they were young, I mean, it's really cool because now the boys, six of them are married. We have 23 grandchildren, but it's really cool to go into their homes and they're doing the same thing. Once a week, we all get together as a family, uh, we gather for food and, and just to share and experiences and and we always begin with prayer and we always end with prayer and so i would say number one when you honey that prayer has been just a positive powerful strengthening of our relationship throughout the years and to see that being passed on to our children and their children i mean our grandchildren they pray and it's been a wonderful thing in our family so I would say number one is the beauty and the value, the blessing of, uh, of, of prayer. As a couple, individually, as a couple, and uh, as a family. As you describe this, I can't help but feeling that the way that you've built your lives, your story, is a combination of what you have decided and have found and believe are your core values and principles and what you believe in and how to implement those into your lives. And that combined with the importance of one another, the importance of people, as you're describing this, Art and Peggy, you've mentioned a number of times about not just prayer, not just writing love letters and speaking with each other fondly, but that there's something about how you love and value people, especially your children, and how that has continued to now flourish into another generation. Uh, Tell us about how you ended up with seven children. Well, (laughs) you know, having a large family, I came from a very small family. There's just three siblings, uh, two siblings and myself. And I always um, loved, most of my closest and dearest friends had humongous families. They always had seven or more. And I thought, gosh, I hope someday when I have children, I can have, there was so much fun. I mean, it's a lot of chaos, absolutely chaos. 
but um, I just remember the joy I had going into my, my, my best friend's home always. And gosh, it was so much fun. Just this large family and all this, all the goings on and the, the mother and the father and the interaction with the kids. And I just had, so, cause I was, I was uh, four years younger than my sister and, um, and my, and my, and my brother and two years younger. And they were, I was a baby, so they didn't spend too much time with me. <laughs> so I was really enjoying this family connection. And so when I got, when I got married, I said, I would love to have a large family. Never intended to have seven boys, straight <laughs> girl. I mean, we were really <laughs> hoping for a little girl along the way. I was dying for a little girl, but with each, and I remember just always saying, oh, please, may I have just one little girl. And but it just wasn't meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, ho ho hopefully that that has happened for you in with the grandchildren. <laughs> oh, Absolutely, yeah. and we love them you, dearly. You know, the interesting thing is that, uh, like Peggy was saying, um, I come from a family of fourteen, uh, and we have we have eleven sisters. I have eleven sisters and three brothers, and two brothers and myself. And I saw in our home how helpful the girls were. I mean, they were like amazing, right? <laughs> they did everything. So we thought, I told my wife, if we can just have one of those, that would be, that would be great. But so, because we didn't have one of those, and, I, I treated them and taught them how to change diapers, wash them. My five-year-old was already bathing my babies and, and uh, putting diapers on my face. I thought, I need some help around here. <laughs> <laughs> but we really had a good, but yeah. we were grateful for the, we're so grateful for the seven boys that but, we have. They've been a joy. But having seven boys is, or seven kids, we, we were just trying to have a girl. And uh, we, so we thought, well, maybe the next one. So we, <laughs> maybe the next, maybe the next one. <laughs> Do some of the younger boys know that? Oh, <laughs> you. Yes, they know. They know that every, every child we we always said a little prayer that would be a little girl. <laughs> but we'll stay. We'll still take you anyway. We'll take you anyway. We'll take you anyway. We have we have six wonderful daughter laws They're just amazing people, yeah. and we have granddaughters that are just adorable. So yes, we're very grateful. Yeah, yeah, it's been wonderful children, regardless of whether they're girls or boys. <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah. terrific. Yeah. How did you get the idea for the hamburger shop? Uh, gee, you know, uh, I had somebody that I was close to. And there was a place in Kahuku and back at the gas station that was for sale. And um, so he said to me that, you know, he needs to look at this place. And so we went back there, we looked at it. And they had had it for seven years. And uh, I... You know, it's amazing, you know, when you see things sometimes, you just see this thing. What does it say? Uh, one man's treasure. One man's junk is another man's treasure. And so when I saw this, I just saw this as uh, as this amazing place, uh, just a, a real treasure that we could really develop into something uh, very unique. Um, so, we, so we took that on to turn that around. And... During the time when we when we first bought it, uh, the lady that owned it, she was doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She had had it for seven years, and so we worked it. And she had she was doing Chinese food, Korean food, um, 
I mean, everything from A to Z, right? Uh, fish and chips, uh, a number of different things on the menu. So we had to learn how to make all those things on the menu. And going back a little bit, in 2003, we moved here to Hawaii because we wanted to simplify. We all surf. Uh, so we moved here to Hawaii to surf, to spend more time in the water and get away from that hectic life in L.A. We really wanted to just simplify and enjoy life and serve and help and do really cool things. So uh, we moved here in 2003 from California, and we found this burger place, you know, a few years later. I mean, it, it wasn't a burger place. It was a Chinese. It was a, just a, uh, just a uh, I mean, the, the menu just had, as I mentioned, had a lot of different items from different parts of the world. So when we took it over, she trained us for the first month, a month and a half. And then we started the restaurant doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And after a few months, and breakfast, the restaurant opened at 7 o'clock in the morning. So we have to be down there at 5, 4.30 in the morning just to prep things. Then it closed at 9. So we were there from 4.30, 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock, until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, midnight, and then getting back up again. And it was Monday through Saturday. So after, so after a few months, three, four months of that, we sat down as a family and we counseled together. We said, hey, is this the direction we're going to go? So we had the menu up on a board, right? We had the menu and we had a whiteboard. And then, of course, we prayed about this and we said, what, who are we? Why are we doing this? And what direction do we want to go in doing this? And, then, and, the, and the, the important question at the time was, do we feel passionate about this menu? I mean, are we passionate about doing Korean ribs and katsu chicken and, and, and uh, fish, and, fish and chips? And so we had all these different items and we said, no, you know, this, this isn't us. So we just started striking things out. We started, and then we, we struck out breakfast because there was no time to surf. We were, we were spending all the time in the restaurant. And so we were defeating the purpose as to why we moved to Hawaii in the beginning, which was to simplify. So the question was, how can we make this fun? How can this be about us? We can really be passionate about what we do for the people who, who walk in the door. So we cut out breakfast and we cut out the ribs. We cut out the chicken. We cut out all these different items. And we decided that we would be that we could be passionate about the burgers, that we would make the burgers in a very unique, in a very personalized way, and that we could be passionate about the coconut shrimp. Now, the coconut shrimp, everyone sells coconut shrimp all over Hawaii, and in fact, places close to us sell coconut shrimp as well. And so we decided to add. This is all inspired. If we what if we added macadamia nuts? Would there be if we added if we, if, we, if we changed it a little bit and added both macadamia nut to the coconut mix and some other items, would that be attractive and appealing to people who like coconut shrimp? And so we did that. And then we took the garlic shrimp and we brought on ahi, which is a fresh fresh fish, which we buy fresh uh, uh, two or three times a week. Uh, it's fresh fish. And then our hamburger, we, uh, it's a New Zealand grass-fed beef. And uh, we, we, uh, the lettuce we do is, comes in boxes. 
and then our onions. And nothing is prepped in advance by the by the companies that we that with the vendors that we work with. We prep everything. We cut our own potatoes. We cut our own onions. We make our own salad. Um, because part of that meeting that we had was, if we're going to do this, then let's do it right. Let's do it the way we would do it for us in the backyard. So we were calling it backyard burgers because we thought that whenever we do a barbecue in the backyard, it's always fresh items, fresh tomatoes, fresh lettuce, fresh. We would never buy anything pre-cut and pre-packaged. And so from that, uh, seven brothers uh, took off. And people told us uh, in the beginning, how can you cut out the ribs? How can you cut out the chicken? It's going to really hurt your business. People aren't going to want to come to you. But, you know, I'll tell you something. You know, we felt that that was a very inspired move to do that. And how can you cut out breakfast? How can you cut out that big chunk of income, right? But after we did that, I mean, the business just soared. We doubled, we tripled, we quadrupled what she was doing before. I mean, we were at levels that we had never realized that she had never realized in seven years, that she had never even touched uh, in seven years. So we, we, uh, we uh, started this, this hamburger thing and the Paniolo burger with the onions and then the Shem burger with the guacamole and everything is fresh. Uh, the, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it? the onion rings. We make onion rings every single day fresh. We cut them up and we have our own batter for it. And a lot of these things you can buy, right? They're already prepped, um, prepackaged. But again, from the very, very beginning, we told ourselves that we wouldn't do that. That we're going to do it as if we were doing it for our own family. And that's what people appreciate. And we've had a lot of these vendors come back to us and say, hey, Art, I can save you money on that lettuce if you have it all prepackaged and pre-cut. I can save you money on the tomatoes if you... You know, we can cut all the tomatoes for you and prepackage that. We can save you money big time on the onion rings. I mean, we, we can bring it in. It's all frozen. And then we've had a number of vendors tell us that they can bring the hamburger in. We can bring the hamburger in all frozen, already patted up. And, you know, you save a lot more money. But, you know, our whole thing is that we don't want to cut corners. We feel that when we cut corners, we start cutting corners and taking shortcuts, we're going to cut the bottom line. We're going to start cutting people away from us. And so... The boys, we've been in business now for 11 years, and, and that's been our thing, you know, that we would never cut corners, that we would always do it right and be very truthful with our product in regards to what we present to, uh, to our customers. So it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been great. You know, it's been wonderful. It's expensive, especially being in Hawaii. Things are very expensive. But you know what? At the end of the day, we're happy. We're thrilled that people are happy with the food, and we're making good food. And we can be honest about it and know that everything we put into that burger is a quality ingredient and it was handmade and it wasn't prepackaged and it wasn't frozen. It's the absolute best product or items that are in that, uh, that burger. So. And I would, I would just add that our goal was to make coming to us more than just a meal, that they'd actually feel the love and the attention of every detail of that burger or fry or even our sauces that they would have a good experience because we care that our customers are having a good experience and that they're enjoying what they eat and what they feel. Hopefully that they will have a good feeling at knowing that they had a, a good, amazing burger or, or fish or shrimp and walk away 
having having felt that they've had a better experience than just eating a meal that they had a better experience. And I will say, Mark, I wish you could taste the food they're referring to because my mouth is watering. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Art and I, I Peggy, I oh first my gosh. came yeah. back when you were Kahuku Grill, probably 10 years ago. So shortly after you opened, I just happened yeah. upon, we love the North Shore. My husband was doing some work at the Polynesian Cultural Center with his job at the time. And we just saw Kahuku Grill as we went by and your yellow and blue sign appealed and we went in and yeah. I'm allergic to shrimp. And so I asked, I said, could you make me the ahi with coconut macadamia nut topping and deep fry it? And they did it and it was to die for. And ever since then, we've always had to make it a ritual to come, if not every day, almost every other day <laughs> to Seven Brothers. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, the, the closest I can That's get, cool, Nikki, maybe. is, is uh, I'm looking at the pictures of the various entrees on the menu and i i'm just drooling here thinking oh this is making me really really hungry and i'm imagining oh, what it tastes taste like yeah we we but... spent uh, <laughs> three months this summer in um kahuku we bought a vacation rental over there and lived in it it's a part-time residence for us and we were on quarantine, strict quarantine for two weeks. We weren't even allowed to take our trash out. And the first thing we did when we left quarantine was head straight to Seven Brothers. <laughs> it was the best meal I've ever had. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, the first place Wonderful. I'm going when they let me out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, yeah. This, the mantra, more than a meal, never quit, always share, be grateful. I can't help but feel that that this mantra more than a meal developed because you brought in the way that you were describing. We're going to do it for others the way we would do it for our own family. No corners cut, fresh ingredients filled with uh, love and good intention. That has persisted as a company motto. Tell us about I'm curious about this idea of where, where did the idea of using words instead of numbers come up? Yeah, that's a really, oh, I love I answering love that. I love that. I just love that idea. This is, this is, when I saw that and read that, I go, wow, what a cool thing to do. What a great creative idea. And I'd love to hear how customers have responded to to sing that because it's probably out of the ordinary that you would get uh, a word instead of a number to identify your order. Yeah. One day I was sitting on the deck and I was talking to a customer and, uh, and, and at Kahuku where uh, Nikki went. And I was sitting on the deck and a girl came out with her food. So we delivered the food to you, right? And in the beginning we had numbers. We had one through 10. Uh, 20, whatever the number is. Yeah. So I'm sitting on the deck talking to this customer and the girl comes out with this food and she says, 13, 13, 13. I mean, she's screaming it out. There's a lot of people, right? 13, 13, 13, 13. And then the lady in the back raised her hand and she goes over there, delivers her food. And I thought, God, that didn't sound, that doesn't sound good to call somebody 13. It didn't sound too cool. So we decided as a family, when we counseled together, that we would have attributes 
of someone we love dearly, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Things like nice, kind, love, charity, uh, those kinds of words. That would, be, that would be more warming to people than a number. And so we started doing that guy after the second year, I believe. We started doing those, those words. And we've had many people come up to us and tell us that, gee, you know, I've eaten many places and there, there's always numbers. I've never seen a place like this. But it gives us an opportunity to, to have the people who come to connect with us in that kind of a way, uh, to realize that this is more than just a meal. This is more than just people that have a, that, that have a food business. Uh, there's something more here. And hopefully when they see that, that they're given the word charity or they're given the word kind, or sweet, whatever the word is. Hopefully something kind of touches them a little bit more in terms of the experience they're about to have uh, at Seven Brothers, and that it's not just about food. Of course, the food is really, really, really important to us, but it's just more than just food. I mean, we have, we have so many cool stories, Mark uh, and Nikki, about people that have come and we had this one lady, for example, who would come uh, every Friday, I think it was, at around 2 o'clock. Uh, same time, same hamburger. And my son asked her one time, gee, you're always here on Friday. And we just, we, we just love having you come every Friday. And she said, well, the reason why I come every Friday, because I just finished my chemo. So I come here at 2 o'clock every Friday. Because everyone around here makes me feel good. And that's why I come here. So it's stories like that that um, make us happy that we're in this business because people are coming, not just because they're hungry, but there are other reasons why they're coming to Seven Brothers. It can be a birthday. It can be an anniversary. It could be that they have a problem or they're not doing well in school or you know, they have different feelings or emotions or problems that they're dealing with. I mean, they're coming for the food, but everyone's going through something. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping that when they do come in, they feel better as a result of the experience they had with Seven Brothers. We try to make sure together with the food that we hire, nothing but the best. We really look at hiring good people that, are, that have a good center, right? That are, it's not about if they've had restaurant experience or they've food experience. Someone has just this wonderful center about them. They're just loving and kind, and that's their center then we can teach them, you know, to do anything. But we really try to hire right in the very, very beginning because what we've learned is that you can have great food and you can have all these wonderful things you say as far as your mission and your values. But if you don't hire the right people, I mean, they're good people, but they may not, but they're, but what they believe in their center may not be the fit that you need for people to experience what you want them to experience. When they come into your place or it's more than a meal it's not just about food so for us too as a family it's more than you know we have to remind ourselves that this is more you know that this, that our life is more than just the restaurant you know it's about our family it's about our lifestyle it's about continuing to be able to spend more time together as a family um for example, like last year, the whole family went to a little island called Aloita. It's in Indonesia. And uh, there's about 100 people that live on the island. And it takes three to four days to get there. It's a long journey. 
but we went and it was just, and it's a, it's a surfing place. You wouldn't go there if you didn't surf. You mainly go there because of the surf. And we were there for 10 days together as a family. Uh, but it's things like that, that we do together as a family that this business has allowed us to do for which we are so very, very grateful. We're reminded always that this business is more than just the food. And if we can touch people and help people and then draw closer as a family, as a result of doing this business, then we feel that we're very, very blessed, that we're being guided uh, divinely, which has been a tremendous blessing for us. So yes, it's more than a meal from what we want. Yeah, I love hearing more about your story because you've got, you have a couple daughter-in-laws that are, have a very significant social media presence and they're, they're big. And I think, and your business is big and there's a lot of talented people out there. There's a lot of hard workers out there. There's a lot of good food out there. There's something really special about your family that appeals to all of us. And I know that several times I've been, and I never met you until this last summer when I thought, gosh, I would love to hear their story and have them on our show. But I have watched so many times your family gather at the restaurant and eat together, and you could just tell you love each other. And here I am in the depths of parenting kids from four up to 20, and it's constant chaos. I'm just, I think (laughs) your your love and the fun and... The exuberance, it just appeals to me and so many other people, which I think is why your family has so many followers. The good food, yes, but I want to know your secrets. Tell me more about how you created this family that just loves each other and wants to spend time together and has this passion for building your relationships and having fun, and I just love it. Well, our, well definitely it's our faith, but beyond our faith, well, not beyond our faith, it's our faith the core in the center of, of who we are, but it's also, uh, we're a very outgoing. We like to be outside. We love being by the ocean, surfing, and surfing has been a real blessing in our family. Um, when, when our boys, would, my husband would, would well, I, I will say he forced them. They had to learn how to surf. <laughs> they didn't have a choice because that's what he loved to do. And he's uh, the kind of father that has to be near his children and wants to be close to them. And he would, he would eventually, they all, uh, in the beginning, not so, some of them did not want it, but then as they got into it, like he did, then they became very passionate as he, as he, as he is about surfing. And one, one item that I loved about surfing, I remember my, my son would, would come would they would love to go and and because when you serve you have to sit out and wait for the waves and because you're sitting out there waiting for the waves a lot of conversation goes on in the water and it was uh, I am so grateful for this because if the kids had problems or if they had questions about life and they were struggling in some kind of a situation they have wonderful, amazing conversations. They're very, 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 very tight with their father in this respect because he took time to counsel with them. And he does that in the home as well. But being out in the ocean allows their mind to be a little bit more free to open up uh, just because of the beauty of the sport that surfing is all about. Being, you're in nature and the waves are just this, this powerful force of energy. And when you catch that wave, and I never, I never really got into the surfing. I'm a swimmer, but I have been on a board. And when you get to your knees and you 
when you get to your knees and you actually catch a wave, I could only get to my knees, I always fall off. So when you, but when you get to your knees and you catch a wave, there is a rush that only a surfer or someone who's experienced that rush can can express can explain or express. And it's uh, it's it's so much joy and uh, fun and it's 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 exuberating. You can't help but find the love of of a surfer and water and nature and the blue skies and the clouds and all of that coming together and being with family <laughs> has brought our our children very close to to uh, to us as as family and especially to their father as a surfer. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, exactly, Peggy. Thanks, sweetheart. Uh, and, and I'll just add this. You know, I mean, there's a family proclamation that we believe in. And part of that, I mean, if you follow that, and, the, and there's a piece in there that talks about family activity. And it can be any activity. It can be football. My, my sister and her husband, he played football at BYU, and his children played at BYU. And when they get together, I mean, it's all about football. They love watching football games together. The two sons now coach, one at BYU and one at Weber State. The IU, I mean, they're a big family football name. And their oldest son, uh, CJ, one of the oldest sons, he played for uh, he played for the Rams. He played for Oklahoma. But football is the center, uh, together with Christ, and they're very tight. They're always talking football and ex- ex- sharing experiences. So it really can be anything. Mm-hmm. With our family, it's surfing, for which we're so grateful. But it's that family activity that everyone has, that everyone can relate to that just has these wonderful conversations around the dinner table. Uh, again, would it be surfing or basketball or tennis or swimming or whatever it is, if the family has that common activity. Then you've always got something to talk about that everyone can relate to. You've always got something that everyone can, that, that, that everyone can experience and have a wonderful time with. And everyone's helping each other like both our, our grandchildren now are surfing and it's really mm-hmm. cool. I mean, yesterday, I mean, we get these texts, right? These family texts saying the surf is up here. Everyone's going there at seven o'clock. They they pay attention to the tides, the weather, the wind. I mean, all these, you know, the wind's right. You know, the tide's <laughs> going to be here at 12 o'clock this afternoon. And, and now the young, our, our grandchildren, they're all dialed into that. They're all, they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And our daughter-in-law, the majority of them surf. Yeah. And so we just have this wonderful opportunity to share this incredible experience when we're together so yeah mm-hmm. really cool yeah yeah as i'm listening to you, your life experiences your story this is not an accident it's not by chance you have intentionally done things and planned things and carried them out and passed that along to your children as well how has planning and deciding what you want the story to be, how has that been a guiding concept in the life that you have lived? Hey, thank you. I, you know, I'll just go, I'll go back a little bit here when we were raising the kids. You know, um, my biggest concern was that when you're raising children is that when they get into school, intermediate school especially, in high school, that they're going to go on a different path because, you know, they meet friends and sometimes kids when they're growing up and they're in junior high and, and uh, high school, I mean, everyone wants to be cool. And sometimes, you know, at, you know, wanting to be cool 
can lead them to do things that would be that might be inappropriate just for the sake of being cool. And so my thing in the beginning as a father was that if I can teach my children how to surf and uh, they're known as surfers, that alone is cool. That title is cool. They don't have to do anything stupid or crazy uh, to be cool, you know, to show their friends they're, they're cool. And we lived in a really cool uh, area in California, Newberry Park, where a lot of the people there surfed and a lot of the families we, we were very close with. A lot of them, I mean, we all surfed. And we would go to Mexico every single year for 17 years. We went to Mexico and surfed Mexico and all up and down the coast of California. But surfing, we felt in raising the boys together that uh, without experiencing something crazy, to want to be cool, uh, therefore doing it, hopefully surfing would give them that coolness and people would see them as cool. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but they wouldn't want to do anything stupid. And, but, you know, thank the Lord. I mean, it, you know, it, that part of it worked because they connected with really good people that were like faith, the same faith. And, and they all served and their fathers served. And, and so they were, so we were raised, so they were raised in a family that was known as a surfing family, you know, that we served. And so that was kind of part of that story, you know, that would keep them on that right path. And then of course, surfing, you know, connecting like Peggy was saying about the ocean and the power and the blue skies and the sun, all of that relates to our father in heaven, to a God who created all this. Without him, you wouldn't have any of this. So teaching that to our children, which became part of our story. So when they surf, they're teaching their children the same thing, that the ocean, the waves, the, the beauty of the, the beach and the beauty of the water, the beauty of the sky came from someone, someone who loves you, you know, mm-hmm. someone who watches over you, someone who knows you, you know, so that's been part of our life story. And the beauty mm-hmm. of having a family, a family, Peggy had three and I had 14 in my family. And now we have 23 grandchildren and you know, seven, seven sons, of course, and six daughter-in-laws, who we, who we call daughters. Just that love continues and really believe so because Christ is our center. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. We, we, we encourage our listeners to think about what their story will be. What kind of lifestyle do you really want? Uh, Peggy and Art, what advice, what guidance would you give to our listeners about creating and writing their own story and making it come about? Just that when you when you're striving to to live a, a an honest, uh, faithful, uh, respectful to each other, um, just all those attributes that, that, um, that our, our higher being that we, whoever, whatever higher being is to someone that for us, it's Christ. Uh, we, we, we try to emulate, try and emulate the, the most perfect person, the only perfect person that, that we know. We just try to emulate those same attributes. And by doing that, we can create an amazing story. Even though you're going to have flaws, you're going to have disappointments, you're going to have sadness, you're going to have failures, you can still have much success and love 
and happiness because of that higher being that gives us purpose. And, and in, in that purpose, you can find that great joy and, and create these amazing stories that will last, a, will last not just this life, but for the eternities. And we're just uh, so grateful for the, the knowledge that we have of um, the importance of having a, a family that, that works together, plays together, they cry together. They have sadness together. You have um, so many disappointments in life. But yet through all that, you have this wonderful, wonderful experience of picking each other up and loving each other and, and saying, we can do this. It's okay. Um, death in a family. You know that you'll see them again. It's just all these, these the knowledge of, of what we have as a family and what has brought us close together unites us as one and because of the unity of that of, of being this one together as as a whole now are now these these branches are branching out and creating their personal loving stories of what they're creating in their own families and just staying true to each other and being respectful and loving and you just have this happiness that is created and will never and will always be forever and that's what gives us great hope and joy. And and uh, children are doing the same now with their families. And, and it's just a beautiful thing to see. See, see how, how, how you want to live your life and stay strong and be true to each other can branch out and make this beautiful, beautiful tree of, of blossoms, of this wonderful fruit, <laughs> uh, human fruit <laughs> that you can you can love forever and cherish and that sweetness will be in your heart forever because of, of standards of living, high standards of living, striving. And by all means, never perfect, always having a million flaws. But with those flaws, we're, we're able to work, to work them out and to make it, to perfect ourselves, to always striving to be better. And, well, thanks, Eddie. I, and I agree a thousand percent. Uh, Peggy mentioned uh, sweetness of heart. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how you go through this experience of life and family and raising children without Jesus Christ. I, I really, I, I think it would have been extremely difficult in regards to everything we've gone through, just with the restaurant, uh, in this food business, you know, the restaurant, the food business is the number one business that fails. And within three to five years, I think if you, it's really challenging for people to even continue on in three to five years. We know many people throughout the years that have had incredible challenges. But I know that if it wasn't for our center of Jesus Christ and going to prayer and relying on that faith that we have in him, that this too shall pass and be inspired to make different changes when people said you shouldn't do that and and feeling good about it, though, you know, that, uh, and just knowing that everything is going to be okay, but that has been, that has been the center of everything we do. Um, we try to teach that to our children as well. Um, so. I love your thoughts. I am curious. I know one of the things I talk about a lot with my clients is, you know, looking at your whole person, you ask somebody on the street, how are you doing? And you get fine <laughs> right or good <laughs> yeah. but there are so many parts that make us who they are there's physical emotional spiritual social financial 
one of the things a lot of my clients struggle with is is spirituality a lot of my clients they all come from different backgrounds they all have different beliefs some of them are atheists some of them are very religious some are not and so we talk a lot about spirituality and to me spirituality just means when you're grounded to something bigger than yourself a greater sense of purpose what would you say to somebody who maybe is atheist who's saying okay well that's wonderful and I love your thoughts, but I don't actually believe in that. And yet I still want to have a healthy, connected, cohesive family. Do you have any advice you could give to somebody like that? Because I know some of my clients actually fit into that profile. What would you say to them? Well, I, I, think, uh, I think someone who's an atheist and doesn't believe in a higher source, I think as a father, then you become that higher source to your children. Mm -hmm. I think whatever you, whatever you want your children to become, you need to become. I mean, that needs to be you. I mean, if you want your children to be honest, then you need to be the one that is honest that they can look up to. So whatever the, whatever the values are that you would hope to raise your children by, that you have to exemplify and teach, of course, those values. You become that source. You become that power if you don't believe in a God. But if you don't believe in God, you know, and you're raising a family, well, then you are God. You know, you are that you are that person that you want your children to look up to. You're the one that needs, you, you are the one that needs to, to uh, have the values that are important that you want to raise your children by. And the important thing is that you need to make sure that you're following those values to the T, that whatever you're teaching your children, that you're following it. Uh, that would be my loving humble advice. <laughs> I love that. that. That gives me goosebumps. Yeah, your kids watch everything we do, don't they? <laughs> like you were saying earlier, that it was right from the beginning that you and Peggy decided that you were never going to skimp on the ingredients for the meals that you prepare and that for the hamburgers, that everything is done uh, in-house, it's all the prep is done, that you're using fresh and good ingredients, never, never skimping on that. And that's very similar to the way that the story of lives can go is that let us not skimp on the ingredients of a happy life. Those things are really highlighted today by our interview with you of the kind of practices and the kind of values and beliefs that regardless of a person's background, we know to be good things like honesty, integrity, uh, persistence, uh, diligence and forgiveness and things like that. The essential ingredients to a happy lifestyle to your love story. I really appreciate you sharing those with our listeners today. And the hope is that they will be able to take your story and be able to be inspired and be able to draw from it a motivation to write their own story and to begin living a happier lifestyle. So very much appreciate and thank you for your story and the contributions you've made to your community and to be able to share this with others. Oh, you're welcome, Mark. And Mark, you summarized, you summarized our story so well. <laughs> I like your summary. 
<laughs> well, I'm nice. drawing it that from yours. <laughs> I love the way you use the word skimp. That is so true. That is so yeah. true. And the ingredients. Thank you. That was wonderful. Very nice. We wonderful. really appreciate having this opportunity. Thank you. Yes, thank you both. And your husband, your good husband. Thank you. It's <laughs> so good to have you here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, if you haven't, you gotta visit Seven Brothers. And their website is sevenbrothersburgers.com. Just take a look at that website and you'll start being hungry just by seeing the pictures of, <laughs> of the food and you'll imagine savoring this. And I will have to borrow that from what Nikki has described, Art and Peggy, as to how delicious these are. So the next time I'm in the area, that's where I'm going. Oh, we'd love to host you and Nikki and your good husband. Yes, we'd love to do that, Mark. Absolutely. Be sure to come and uh, we'll, we'll treat you ourselves to our first. <laughs> Excellent. We'll do. Thank you so well, thank much. Thank you. Thank you thank so much. Thank you so much. A wonderful experience. Thank, thank you. you. And that's it for another Backseat Driver. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with a friend. We'd really appreciate it if you'd take a minute to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.